inside of this extra episode of Meeting Mondays that is coming out this month, I sit down with Mo Gallagher, a man who has a deep infatuation and love for Final Fantasy that has kept him going for the last almost 30 years. Within that, we get into a conversation about Norse mythology, Final Fantasy, and what he wants to pass down to his next generation. See, the thing that I like about Mo was mostly how we met. I went to KupoCon in Newark, New Jersey about two years ago. And to say that I had a rough time at the beginning would be an understatement. I was literally bawling my eyes out because it seemed as if everything that I had, that I had walked for to get an autograph from Adam Krolik, a.k.a. the voice of Ignis in Final Fantasy XV, was for naught. But if it wasn't for Alex and his crew... Showing us that sometimes your dreams can come true. I would not have been able to meet Mo. And after meeting Mo, I've always was attracted to his calm way of life. So when we started from day one, I've always wanted to sit down and kind of interview him. And so kind of looking at life through his eyes. And I'm glad to be able to present that interview with you today, about three years later almost. So, without further ado, I would love to introduce you to Mo J. Gallagher. And we'll hand off. So, First and foremost, uh, thank you again for taking time. I'm out of your schedule. No, you're you're very Um, welcome. Normally, I would have a lot more prepared, but as you said, we don't have time. So, uh, let's just jump straight into this. How did you become acquainted with Final Fantasy? Um, I was maybe 11 or 12 years old. Uh, The first time I became aware of, of the Final Fantasy franchise, uh, as as you might have guessed, it was through Final Fantasy VII. Uh, a friend of mine uh, had picked it up for Christmas uh, in 1997, and uh, I, I remember going round to his house and just watching him play and falling in love with it. So I got a copy myself a few months later, and the rest is history. <laughs> history was made on that day, it seems. Um, because you're definitely known as one of the go-to guys for Final Fantasy VII. So what part of Final Fantasy do you remember holding on to that, well, took you from 12 years old in 1997 to now? Well, 30 years yeah. later almost. Uh, I guess I guess it's, it's really the, the story. Um, of Final Fantasy VII is what captivated me most. Um, at, at that time, you know, I'd, I'd never really been introduced to RPGs at all, so it was mainly, um, you know, through books or movies or whatever that I'd, I'd seen stories before. Uh, so that being able to to have such a monumentous 
uh, or momentous even story told through the, the medium of gaming. Uh, it really struck an air with me. It, it stayed with me for a long time. Um, I was at quite an impressionable age as well, um, you know, in the sort of early teens. So the idea of, you know, the, the sort of Shinra Corporation um, and, you know, the... the uh, the, the part of the message of that story is anti-capitalism. Shinra's destroying the planet. Um, you know, they kind of reflected their own world in terms of um, fossil fuels. Um, the themes of life and death were, were pretty big. Um, so it, it kind of taught me quite a lot um, in terms of what my philosophy in the world is. Um, and I think that's that's really what, what stuck with me most. And those, yeah, it, it definitely comes through. It definitely comes through. So inside of the story, what, what, what was one of, what was a few of your favorite beats? What was a few of the favorite things that you can't ever get enough of no matter how many times you replay through the game, or in this case, replay through the remake of the game? <laughs> um, I think the, any any story section that has Sid involved, uh, Sid I really enjoy as a character. So the the sequence um, of when you meet him the first time and ba basically he turns his back on Shinra and then later finally gets to, to fly into space. Uh, I really like that. Um, I think one of my favourite parts of Final Fantasy VII and in, in, in fact of, of the entire series um, is when Nanaki... Uh, learns the truth about his father. Um, that's really special. I think um, nowadays, I think because I've seen it so many times, the the, the spoiler alert, but the death of Aerith uh, doesn't have a huge impact on me anymore, but I still get quite emotional um, when uh, Seto starts crying. So it's, yeah, I, I would probably say the the... the the scene with Nanaki and Seto is is the one that uh, I, I love most and the one that I can't wait to see uh, in the remake. Oh yeah. That 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 one was would I think well owned. Uh, owned. and I kinda agree with you, considering the death of Ellis is literally pop it's been on Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's literally pop culture necessary. It exists everywhere. Yeah, like okay, yeah, the gold eyes. Nice. Um So that's uh so what are some of your favorite lessons out of the game? What do you want to pass down to your children in uh, when it comes to when it comes to this? Um well definitely uh, I think the, the lessons that I learned um again um through the sort of anti capitalist or anti corporationist um you know, look, look after the planet. You know, we, we only have one planet, so you know, you don't don't destroy it. I think that's a big a big message um, that I'd like to sort of pass on. Um, you know that that you shouldn't be following through in greed. You shouldn't be consuming more than you need. You know, where where possible, uh, consume sustainable energy or sustainable food, um, and obviously to to place value and place importance on the lives of others and the struggles of others, um, I think is, is definitely the message that I took from the game and definitely the message that I would like to pass on to them. 
Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Because it definitely was, I think more importantly than the death of Alice directly, it definitely was more so Cloud actually shifting from, I don't give a crap about anything, to, I'm going to go kill this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you can come with me if you want, but no, that, yeah. that's just ridiculous. <laughs> um... So you've also expressed your love of Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. What drew you into that world? Um, well, I don't actually have, um, or until a couple of years ago, I didn't have an enormous background in Norse mythology. Um, a couple of the stories um, I learned at school. Um, and when, when Final Fantasy VII came along, I obviously recognized that Summon Odin in particular uh, sorry, the, uh, please excuse the baby in the background. Uh, they summoned the summoned Odin in the. Um, I obviously recognised from Norse mythology. So several years later, um, I started work on uh, an original project, a sort of superhero fantasy project. Mm -hmm. And myself and the the other sort of co-creator had a discussion about the type of story that we wanted to tell. And one of the underlying themes that we decided upon was to visit mythology and how mythology, um, how we understand mythology as, as a sort of modern society might actually be different to what the original stories were based on. Um, you know, the, the whole thing is, is just kind of high fantasy and, and, and whatnot. So it's not, um, but... The, the first book focuses quite heavily on Norse mythology, which is where um, I started to look more seriously at it. And the more that I looked at it, the more I, I took a little interest in, you know, as part of my own notes, I would maybe write a little blog article about um, who a, a character was, what a location was, what a concept was. And the more I started to write about these things, the more I started to realise, hold on, like, I actually I recognise a lot of this from the Final Fantasy series. And then, <laughs> and then when I started to dig even more, I was like, oh my God, this, uh, this, is, this is pretty crazy. Now, the, obviously, um, Final Fantasy itself has an enormous amount of mythology from across the world that, that's included in it. Um, but it was actually, weirdly enough, it was Final Fantasy VII itself that was the first time that the story started to delve a bit deeper into actual mythology rather than the Dungeons and Dragons version of the mythology. Mm -hmm. yep. um, you know, Sakaguchi is, you know, makes no secret of the fact that the original Final Fantasy and its successors borrowed quite heavily from the Dungeons and Dragons mythos yep. or uh, beast theories. Um, mm -hmm. So when, when I kind of started to look at that, one of the, the big things that really caught my attention was that the scenario writer for Final Fantasy VII, Kazushige Nojima, actually had a background working with Greek mythology in the, um, the Heracles series, the Glory of Heracles series that he worked on before joining Squaresoft. Um, and he's, he's on record as saying that if it wasn't for Greek mythology or after Greek mythology, the one that interested him most was Norse mythology. Um, and when you kind of you realise that the guy writing the script had an interest in Norse mythology, and then you start to piece together 
right, I can see where Midgar comes from. I can see where Nibelheim comes from. I can see, you know, touches of Odin, you know. Um, and the, 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 the more you sort of delve into it, the more you realise, like, none of this is a coincidence. There's, it's, it's, there's so much here that's very, very deliberate. Um, and it, it blew me away. I'd, and, uh, you know, there's, like... like like is obviously uh, the, the case now that there's so much content that I was able to get an entire book out of it. <laughs> so, 200 pages, 200 some odd pages okay, almost. So, yeah. Um, uh, so with that, then what's your favorite myth and how did that, what, how did that connect to Final Fantasy VII? What's your favorite connection? Um... I think the, the the coolest connection I found, or there's there's a few that there's a few that I have that uh, I find quite quite entertaining. Um, the biggest connection I think, or the, the one that I was most interested in when I was writing it, because I had no real um, idea about this as I was going in, is how similar Vincent Valentine is as a character um, to the Berserkers of Norse mythology, or not Norse mythology, but sort of Norse culture and Viking culture. Um, the, what, what I actually dedicate an entire chapter to it in the book, um, where we kind of look at Vincent Valentine in the original game has the limit breaks where he turns into the Galilean beast and Hellmasker and Chaos and whatnot. And the idea behind that is that when you activate the limit break, you, he becomes exceptionally powerful, but you lose control over him. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's very similar to the concept of Berserkers in Viking culture, where they got themselves into a sort of trance-like state, and where, you know, they, they no longer felt pain. They, you know, they, they basically, there's records of them possessing superhuman strength. Um, and it, you know, the, 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 there are so many connections there, but one, one of my favourite parts about it is that the Vikings knew that when the Berserkers got into that state, that they had to stay well clear because, you know, they, they could no longer distinguish between friend and uh, friend and foe. And I thought that was that was really cool. And the, the Goliath Beast, his, his initial attack, even has the word Berserk in it, it's Berserk dance. Um, yeah. So, you know, and the Goliath Beast, um, while it's sort of based on, like, the, or the colour scheme of it, it's, like, from uh, traditional behemoth in the Final Fantasy series, um, mm -hmm. there's there's an awful lot of sort of quite um, quite large animal, you know, bear, wolf and whatnot. And again, with the Berserkers, um, they were known to have what, what was called a totem, which is sort of a spirit animal, as it were. Um, and the two foremost were bear and wolf. So you end up in a situation where they would become the bear, they would become the wolf. And you look at the lion beast and you can see, okay, right, yeah, I can see where this is coming from. Um, so there's things like that um, I, I didn't really know about before I started writing the book. And the more, the more I, I dug into it, the more I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Um, and another just quirky one uh, that I love as well is there's quite a famous story of Thor um, who has his hammer Mjolnir stolen uh, by a giant 
and the giant will only give the, the hammer back on the condition that the, the goddess Freya marries the giant. Uh, so the, the gods decide that the best thing to do would be to actually dress Thor up uh, as a bride and send him to the giant's home. Um, and when you kind of start looking at the wall market scenario, there's a huge amount of similarities between that story and the cross-dressing scene. And it's, um, you know, like even to the point where Don, the reason that Tifa's there or the reason uh, that, that, that they have to, to go into Don Corneo's place in the, or Don Corneo's mansion in the first place is that he's looking for a bride. So, you know, it's, there's so many parallels. Uh, so they did their we thought. Yeah. <laughs> they did their we thought. So oh, yeah. it, 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 it always is good to just hear about more about story elements that actually kind of surprise you because it's definitely there because it yeah. they did their we thought. Oh, well, so well, that, that's, even that's it. Yeah, then and I think as as part of as part of my advertising for the book, one of the the most common things that I've seen is, you know, and anyone who has a sort of slight understanding of what's going on in the games, I've seen them comment to say, well, it's obvious that Norse mythology is involved. You look at Midgar, you look at Nibelheim, you look at Odin or Ragnarok or Fenrir, you're like, yeah, that's true. These are the obvious things, but there's an entire book dedicated to the non-obvious things that you might want to yeah. check out. <laughs> Um, exactly, like the fact that the cross dressing scene is actually yeah. real. You know, <laughs> it's not just some weird fantasy. Something yeah. seeing his friends thought of while yeah. liking it. <laughs> so as I yeah, the the whole thing just came up because the the more I started looking at this, the more I realized like holy shit, this is this is it's crazy how much is actually stuck in there that you might not realize. In and of it, the game in and of itself becomes a history book. Yeah, you just did exactly. it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Hey, man, if video games can finally transcend from being listed as children's toys, depending on where. Here you go. It'll be great because this type of stuff exists. Yeah, <laughs> and I've seen in a several cases. Sometimes the game developer does more research than the teacher who only has fifteen minutes to teach you a concept. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> So, I wanted to talk about your work with Kupogon. Okay. To kind of end this up. So, how did you get involved with him? Um, origi uh, originally, um, one of the, the lead organizers, Alan Kenny, um, mm -hmm. came to me. Alan and I have been, you know, online friends for a number of years uh, before Kupogon uh, actually got going. And... Um, the the original uh, event that they hosted was in uh, New York, New Jersey, uh, which was obviously the one that preceded the event that you and I met. Um, yes. <laughs> and the the follow up to that was in London. Now, the for the the the, the original event, um, they wanted to to sort of give away some gifts that were sort of hard to hard to find items. Um, and one of the ideas that they had was to give away novels. So uh, another community author, um, the, the very fantastic Mr. Eight, um, or Xander Williams, um, 
uh, he has a similar Final Fantasy VII novelization um, where Xander and I different, oh, differ, uh, obviously, than, than the writing styles itself, um, is that Xander is very, um, very focused on the original game only, uh, whereas I, I sort of in, include as much compilation detail as, as I possibly can. So... Um, the for the the New York event, uh, Xander's book was given away as a, a gift, and for the London event, the first volume in, in my novelization um, was was given away as a gift, and they invited me down. Uh, I, I live in Glasgow, Scotland, which is about five hundred mm-hmm. miles away, so it's not yeah. it's not too too bad uh, to actually get to. Um, so they invited me down uh, to do book signings, um, which was the first time. I'd ever done anything remotely similar to that. Um, and we just, we hit it off. We, we ended up having a, a great relationship. Obviously, I've been working with Alan and Alex for a number of years now and just got up to some ridiculous things. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's how it started. Yeah, Alan and I knew each other already and they just reached out one day and said, is there any way uh, you'd be willing to give us, uh, let us use your book? And would you come down and sign it for us? And it's, it's gone from there. So I've, I've been doing book signings at every CooperCon event ever since. Mm. That, and, and, that, and that's always good. The power of just asking has been a reoccurring theme on this podcast, and it just goes to show, yeah, sometimes you just... A single email can start a now going on six-year yeah. Uh, so that um, that's it. You know, if you don't if you don't ask, like you them. don't get. You you have to exactly. You have it's to impossible. reach out and and just ask the question. Exactly. I mean, it was the same thing when I when we met. I was like, I would love to sit down and talk to you one day. Eh, two and a half years later, in quarantine, you finally have enough time to figure that yeah. out. And unfortunately, uh, so uh, <laughs> having yeah. having young yeah. children does does take up quite a bit of my time. Exactly. So, uh, the last written question I have was: What were some of your favorite parts about working with the con? Um, uh, well, I do have a, a few, uh, a few very special moments. Um, I think the 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 very first con, actually going down and doing book signings, that that was a big moment for me. Um, uh, again, I'd, I'd never done anything remotely similar to that before, so it was. You know, it was like having a, a little, a little spotlight shine on me. Um, I got, I was sitting beside Liam Mulvey um, during the the signings, and as that's the first time Liam and I ever interacted, and now we're, we're good friends. Um, another one was the the first international book signing event that I did. Uh, I was flown to Toronto uh, by the CooperCon guys, so that that was that was a big deal. Um, you know, going and you know the 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 lineup, or the guest lineup there was uh, Ray Chase, who is Noctis from Fifteen, Amy Shields, who is Luna mm. Freya, um, the Three Kingsglaive, mm. and me. So I was, I was, <laughs> was just like this random Scottish guy in the background. Exactly. Um, like you probably don't know him, but he exists. Yeah. So I it was it was really it was really cool, and I I was. You know, I'd, I'd written the Nibelheim incident for CooperCon a few months earlier, or launched it a few months earlier. Uh, so we were over doing the first North American uh, launch of, of the prints for that. Um, 
was recognised for my efforts through the Warrior of Late Awards. Uh, so that was that was a really big deal. Um, getting to meet John Eric Bentley and spending spending the day with John, showing him around my home city uh, of Glasgow. That was that was really cool. That was really cool. Um, you in Final Fantasy Seven, of course. That so <laughs> that had to be one. Yeah. So that that was a, a pretty big deal for me. Um, and. With Kubicon as well, I, I think um, win, winning the the community project award with the Nibelheim incident that that's a big deal as well. And you know, it's just having having people within the community show you a bit appreciate a, a bit of appreciation um, meant meant a lot to me. You know, because it's for me, it's, I've, I've said this a, a thousand times that. The whole thing is just a hobby that has got really out of hand, um, and it's. I, I just I, I love it. I, I would you know I, I do I do it all for free, uh, and I'm just I'm just delighted that that anyone is interested in it. So to be able to get that recognition uh, has been a big deal, um, and yeah, it's, I'm I'm just I'm very grateful to the community for that. And I think just as one of the voices of the community, I think we're also just very grateful to have you there. Well, Certainly because it definitely adds to the whole point why Kupo Khan just feels so differently. Even everything else is just because, yeah, you can't and actually walk up and have a drink with this guy. Mm. Hi. It, Probably a thirty-minute drink. Like I drink just the one drink. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> just one drink. But it's that family-like aspect mm -hmm. that was always something that just resonated with me because it—it's it, the beauty of that aspect. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know we're down to the last five or so, and it's that we have committed to this. Um, I'm thinking of saying it this way. What would be, I'm going to give you the last five minutes because I didn't prepare a final question like I normally do. Okay. That was on me. E, what do you have to say to the community that you helped build over the last four years now, five years? Um... Well, the on top of, of what I've already said, you know, like, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm just extremely grateful that, that anyone is interested in what I do. Uh, you know, to just to be given positive feedback is enough for me. But to to be invited to places to to do book signings, to do panel talks, to meet other uh, community members who who have been doing exceptional things. To be able to collaborate with, you know, phenomenal talents that I've I've admired for years, like Crimson Sun, AJ Haitley, um, uh, and it's 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 just been an amazing amazing adventure. And one of one of my favourite things is that I know what it's like to pour your heart and soul into projects that. You know, sometimes you feel like no one's listening, or you feel like no one's watching, and it, it can be quite demoralising at times. 
And one one of the things that I've really, really enjoyed, possibly more than anything else, is that through through Kubukon, um, I've been given a pedestal to um, go and um, you know kind of express myself, but then to to allow or to encourage others to express themselves. Um, a good example would be um, the the Final Fantasy VIII novel that I co-authored with Micah Rodney. Um, you know, I've known Micah for for a number of years online. You know, he's he's a great writer, um, and the time was right to to sort of give him like a, a little hand up uh, into the spotlight. And Micah was invited to, uh, you know, he's from. Um, the East Coast of the, the US, but he was invited over to the, to London to, to do book signings um, for the Seed the Beginning book. Um, you know, we were also able to to get um, Kayleigh Henderson, who who's now done the artwork for, for my Norse Myths book. Um, she was another member of the community who is just a phenomenal, a phenomenal artist. Um, and just someone who is very enthusiastic, was willing to share her artwork, and we, you know, being in a position to to take that enthusiasm and, and take the individuals who you you want to kind of shine a light on, and say, okay, you know, I've been given a pedestal. You come up here with me, and that's that's I love doing that. I love um, I love being able to to use what little bit of spotlight that I have to, to help shine it on others. Um, and, you know, like but I've said, I've said this before, you know, we're, we're all in this together. I'm not, I'm, I'm just one of hundreds, if not thousands of um, artists out there who are looking to express themselves. And I just got very lucky because I knew the right people at the right time. Um, so there's 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 no there's no rhyme or reason there's no trick to it. It's just if if you have a talent and you're enthusiastic and you approach the right people, one day it should work. And you know I, I like I like being the person who you know is 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 able to to do what I can to to help others have that opportunity. I. I... I think that was the best way you could say it because I can definitely state a little bit about myself though. That was KupoCon was the first time I did a lot of things mm-hmm. on that day. It was, it was first time Apple left the city false time. I'm out traveling by myself. There was a lot of false with inside of that moment. Mm-hmm. And when I met Alan's heart, uh, not Alan, Alex, our beloved uh, leader, because I made a mistake. I was 15 minutes late because traffic. Mm-hmm. Well, you know 15 minutes with a, when, when, when the signing line only has like, what, 50 or 60 available? You're never going to make it. It's, it's not impossible. There's 600 people there, all fine. 15 minutes, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite moment was I was heartbroken because I was like, I came all this way for one thing and yeah, I was minutes short. Literally because I saw a person come in 
in front of me and get the signing package. And then she says, we're done. Wow, yeah. we can't sell anymore. Or I was like, but meeting Alan, meeting, whatchamacallit, him going for bat, going to bat for me was possibly going, is probably going to be going down as one of the moments that truly just made me realize that sometimes asking is really isn't it doesn't sound stupid it yes of course you guys have a kind of one you can only sell so many and yeah that line was like four hours long even if the 60 years old so i can understand why you guys put a limit on damn thing i was in the line um but it still goes to show how beautiful it can it it, it can walk if you have just a tad bit of courage to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Oh, if I didn't walk up to him crying, I, I was definitely crying at that moment. Who knows what could have happened? Because if you never had, if you just said, "Oh well," if you if you accepted, yeah, my dad taught me this as being a cynical, but sometimes you can't accept no from someone who can't say yes. Mm -hmm. She's a walker. She's told to solve fifty, and once she checks that box, that's what she was supposed to do. But sometimes it does, it does help to go and get a second opinion. And I think that is the greatest thing because of that moment. I'm now sitting in front of you having this beautiful conversation. So thank you, Mo. Thank you for being a part of that experience, both behind the scenes and in front of it. You're, you're more than most welcome. It's, it's, it's been it's been quite an adventure for all of us. So I'm, I'm delighted that you were able to experience the Cupacon and, and you, you were able to get your signings and, you know, that you were able to walk away from the event with, you know, the feeling the Cupacon feeling because as is a special yeah. community is a special event. It is. And it is. Um, I, I think you're right. That the, the, the one word to describe is family. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm I'm delighted to hear that you were able to get that experience. Yes, uh, and and I'm and I'm delighted that I was able to make a few friends along the way. Hey, including yourself, Mister Mister Gallagher. Thank you. Um, because it is because it's through that it's the reason why I'm sitting here now, trying my hand at something that I was nudged in the direction of. I'll be honest with you, these podcasts weren't my first idea. I thought I was going to be famous for music. People were like, try this. Just try it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think the same thing with your writing. It's just like, eh, yeah. maybe there's something here. Exactly. Yeah, if, you, who if, you, knows? if you don't try, you don't try, you'll never know. You don't know. You will never know. So I, th I think that's the best way to end it. Thank you for being here and thank you for sitting down. Down with me, Saul. You're more than welcome. It was great to talk to you. It was great to listen. It was great to learn. So take care have of a, yourself. and uh, Have a beautiful afternoon. You too. In the rest of your week. Yes. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Bye, man.